welcome back to another episode of the Spooky Ripped Jean Mom. My name is Peyton Kennedy, and instead of doing one of the states for the most notorious serial killer, today we're going to do the most haunted university in America. Um, so it's going to be season two, episode two, and we are going to talk about the Smith College. I don't know if y'all have heard of it. I'm pretty much just jumping right on in. So it is the largest women's college in America, and I don't know if anyone's heard of it because I didn't until I looked it up, but it is part of the prestigious Seven Sisters Colleges. It's Those colleges are highly selective. They're liberal arts colleges, northeastern, you know, U.S. The schools that are part of it are uh, Barnard College, Brian Marr College, Mount Hol- Holyoke College, Wellesley College, Vassar College, which is co-educational, which means there are men and women. Radcliffe College was absorbed by Harvard in 1999. And basically, the Seven Sisters were established, almost a prescribed, established to provide women with educational ex- like equivalents to the traditionally, ma- traditionally male Ivy League I'm having a rough time today. Okay, I was going to jump right in, but I'm not. So, I had started to do research on Charles Ray Hatcher. And as I'm doing the research and I'm going and I'm going, because that's who I wanted for Iowa, I realized that most of his crimes were in Missouri and not in Iowa. So, I had finished Charles up. Because either way, I was like, well, if I finished Charles up, at least I'll have him from Missouri, and started the Smith College a couple days ago, finished it up, and then I was going to do for Iowa, uh, Robert Ben, I can't remember his last name, Rhodes. Well, I started to do him today, started to record, did not like the way my notes were, completely decided to scrap it, and was like, you know what, do, just do your ghost story now. Just do the ghost one now, even though you weren't planning to do it until after Iowa. So, this is like my third time trying to record. Just, it's fine. Everything's fine. Um, they do have some alumni, alumni, I think, yep, which are from the early, like the 20th century. They're influential leaders, artists, and scholars. Sylvia Plath, Gloria Stein, Steinem, and Betty Frieden. Now, most of these stories happen in, like, the houses, so in sororities or dorm rooms, and the first one happens on 150 Elm. A resident told us that her, and by told us, I mean the articles that I've read, because you can also go on smith.com, like, you'd register for classes type deal, and they have stories about the hauntings on their website. Um, they said that a bathroom broom closet door would always be opening and shutting, and that would include when no one else was opening it. And they had asked the previous owner, Miss Clara, who is dead, to just keep it closed. And ever since they asked her that, it remained just closed. They'd also hear knocking from the ceiling and walls of the bedrooms that were upstairs. Always happened when the lights turned off. And they, the residents feel like it's a good night message um, because they couldn't figure out where I came from. And then the final incident in the house happened on the second floor when a group of residents were just waiting for one of their friends to come down from her room on the second floor. 
and like they always lock their bedroom doors but after she locked her door she remembered she forgot something so when she turned around and unlocked the door the bookshelf that once was next to the door was now in front of the door and you weren't able to open it her and her friends did get the door open and when they looked around there was nothing to explain why the bookshelf was now in front of the door I also were going into the Baldwin house and I want to preface this with none of the Baldwin house hauntings have been proven besides what the residents have said and taking their word for it. But I do want to include it because it'd be my luck that I didn't and all those residents were telling the truth. So everything took place on the fourth floor. And residents say they hear footsteps, they'll hear banging, they'll hear dragging, and it's always large objects that is up in the attic. So the attic now used to be the fourth floor, which is very important because usually they hear these sounds late at night. The attic is usually locked when they go to inspect. And then the attic door will random just slam shut. And one girl said that when she tried to enter it, it closed. Residents see wet footsteps leading from the old floor bathroom, fourth floor bathroom, which is now the attic. So it's like an old resident used to, or like house mom, used to take their shower there and is like walking around. Um, the attic lights also turn out when no one is there. The third floor lights turn off and on. They see translucent, translucent, translucent figures walking through walls one girl said that she saw a figure walk through her wall it stood at the end of her roommate's bed just stayed there for a minute like a minute and then it left going through another wall and people do believe that it could be a house mother like from a while ago and basically when the lights turn off it's her way of telling the girls that it's way too late and they need to stop studying and go to bed which is like still sweet that they're looking out for them. The Chase house used to be a boarding house for women that were single and working. I do want to do a trigger warning for this. We will talk about suicide and killing a baby. So please, if that is not what you want to listen, just leave. Just leave. Fast forward probably three or four minutes. Um, so it was a boarding house in the 1870s. And it was usually for women that were single and working. But one of the women there became pregnant, and because she was single, it was, you know, like, religiously out of wedlock, and she was ashamed of this. And so she asked her friend for a favor, and her friend apparently said yes, don't know how, I couldn't do it, but her friend killed her baby when her baby was born, and then the lady who had been pregnant killed herself. And people now say they hear footsteps, and then every once in a while, they'll hear a baby crying. In the Clark house, they believe, it's kind of, it's this one's like short and sweet. They believe it's haunted by the girl that is now a fountain. Apparently, there's a fountain on campus, and it's made to look like this girl. Um, but hers is a little sad and kind of fun, I guess. People say that she was shot by a jealous lover but she wasn't she died of a sudden illness in the northrop house we have a romantic ghost story which it's kind of cute a resident named francine went to study abroad in italy her junior year it's kind of 
fascinating because of the end. But um, she went to study abroad in Italy for her junior year. And while she was there, she met a boy named Francino or Francino. Her name's Francine and his foot spelled the exact same way. But instead of an E at the end, it's an O. They fell in love. And they would, when she came back to the States, they were writing letters back and forth. They kept telling each other they loved each other. They had plans to elope until he stopped sending letters. Just out of the blue, stopped. Which I feel very bad for Francine. But um, she was so heartbroken and she went missing. Everyone, because no one saw her again after that. Everyone just assumed she had died. And when she went missing, she had left behind a rocking chair. And people now to this day say that that rocking chair rocks on its own. And in 1968, a girl had brought her own rocking chair and saw that it was rocking on its own. But this is where it gets spooky. There are no records of a student missing named Francine from Smith. No, no one's missing. To me, that's freaking wild. The park house um, is haunted by a G Gian Jean Jean M. Robinson. Um, in nineteen twenty five she was a senior and she was found dead on the third floor kitchenette or in the third floor kitchenette on November thirteenth, nineteen twenty five. Her cause of death was asphyxiation. She had been ironing and she had turned on the gas stove, but before she could light it, she either tripped or she fainted and she hit her head. She was unconscious so long that the gas from the stove slowly started to leak and it killed her and um, you might be wondering how did no one else smell the gas well the door to the kitchenette was closed and all the doors that were nearby were also closed and so none of the other residents had noticed the smell she is now believed to be haunting that house so now we're going to get into the sessions house and this one has the well-known ghost story because the house was built in 1975 by Lieutenant Hutt and the first ghost story goes all the way back to the Revolutionary War. So the story goes like this. After General John, Gentleman Johnny Burgani uh, was captured, he was a general of the British Army, he was held prisoner in the Sessions house. And this is where things get to be forbidden lovey. He ended up falling in love with one of the lieutenant's daughters uh, named Lucy. And because he was a British soldier, they could not be together. But it is, you know, rumored that they used to meet up at the secret staircase that was hidden in the house. And you might be like, girl, secret staircase? Remember, Underground Railroad. They had all these secret stair stuff from and basements from the Revolutionary War. And apparently, I'm not saying this, this is what the article said, they were originally escape routes during the Indian attacks. Not not me, what everything else said. Please don't be mad at me. Um, so eventually, you know, General Bogani was returned to England. And we don't know what happened to Lucy. We don't know if she declined his offer to go and then she eventually died. It has been rumored that Lucy was actually Martha Henshaw, and Martha got married and lived happily ever after with her husband Samuel Henshaw. And um, one like ghost story is that General Burgoni still wanders the Sessions house looking for Lucy. Um, another story is that there are two ghostly lovers still going on 
down at the secret stairs um, the Secret Stair, though, is not just romantic fiction, but a real feature of the Sessions House. It's still there, and there's a standing tradition um, to have new residents search for the staircase on Halloween each year. So that's kind of cool, in my opinion. Now, we're going to talk about the Talbot House. And the president of the Talbot House says that there's two ghosts. The first one is a very mysterious woman that wears white and I feel like there's always a woman that wears white I was just listening to a ghost story from morbid they're like I always feel like there's a lady wearing gray but I always feel like there's a lady wearing white uh, but she runs across the porch late at night and she's also been seen standing under the street lights in front of the house as well as the lights in the parking lot between Talbot and Lamont she is always in white it's a white dress and it people say it almost looks like a wedding gown she has long brown hair and basically average height and um when she runs across the porch she jumps over the rail and then she just disappears and when she's under the street lights and is in the parking lot she just stares off and then she acknowledges your presence and then she disappears wild blows my mind there is a better known ghost though his name is thomas and thomas was a little boy who was killed by friends when the house was used by the bc boys or the BC Cabin School. Sorry, I read the wrong line um, on my notes. Because Thomas was a bit chubby, and he was not as quick as the other boys, they really did tease him, they mistreated him, and one winter, the boys were playing a game of hide and seek, and they asked Thomas to play. He was very excited because he's never invited to anything, and when he joined the game, it was just a joke, and two of the boys had led Thomas up to the attic, they had him go in first and that they would come behind him but they slammed the door shut and ran away he was then reported missing because he couldn't get back down when the teachers came to the attic they had found him and he had died because of dehydration he still lives in talbot people say and before the attic is locked thomas um would go to the fourth floor bathroom he would turn on the faucets he'd flush the toilets and was sometimes seen washing his hands there had been a family weekend, and a mother had an entire conversation with Thomas. Now she walked out of the bathroom, she turned to say goodbye to him, and he had completely disappeared. Wild. Nope, not me. And since the attic is has been locked, the people that reside in Talbot's um, on the fourth floor can still hear footsteps and running. And sometimes they will hear a faint knocking sound on the attic door which absolutely breaks my heart. Now we have the Wilder House, and that is said to be home to the ghost named Gloria, and she's a student who apparently hung herself in a downstairs room. As um, a Sophian article from the 1970s states, in quotes, no one knows of any apparent reason for her death, though, of course, of an unhappy love affair is suspected, end quote. So, um, it says that her spirit is thought to have remained in Wilder and that her footsteps are still heard in the attic. According to the article, at one point, a recording of these footsteps was made by a student and it should be noted that there are no records of any suicide in Wilder House at all. Like, none of its archives. But, like, I feel like that's something that would be very much, like, hush-hush. You know, that's what I think. So, I was only going to do the most haunted um university in the u.s but i have time like we're only 
16 minutes in. So we're going to do the second. I did notes for it just in case. So we're going to do the second most haunted university. Um, and when I looked this up, I was one surprised but not surprised at the same time. It's the University of no We say Notre Dame, but it's Notre Dame. Um, I am going to say Notre Dame. And that is in Indiana. Um, and I was very shocked because I was shocked because I was like, I haven't heard any ghost stories. But I also wasn't shocked because it's a Catholic school. And I just, I feel like there's just bad vibes when it comes to like religious areas. You know, you just get like a little. So um, Notre Dame was founded in 1842. Um, and it is the second most haunted university in America. And it's obviously haunted because there are, there's cemeteries on the ground. Um, and there's other places on campus where people have laid to rest permanently. Now, people say that the building on campus that is the most haunted is the Washington Hall, and that was built in 1881. It's believed that there are three ghosts there, and one of the ghosts is um, a worker who fell off the roof during the building's construction, and the other is known to be a man by the name of Jimmy Manavi. He was a student professor, and he really liked um, playing his French horn in the dead of the night while everyone was trying to sleep. He did die in 1919, and he just never... Now, if you like football, then you have probably heard of George Gepp. He was an All-American in 1920. He played football, and at that point in time, him and his team were undefeated, and they were playing under um, Newt. Rockney, I hope I pronounced that correctly. So he died of pneumonia, which was first reported. His illness was first reported in November. Um, he did not go to the season's final game against Michigan Agricultural College, which is now Michigan State University. Um, gross. In Lansing on Thanksgiving. And originally they said it was tonsillitis and then pneumonia and then strep throat. And then they said that maybe it was a combination of all three. And because it was 1920, this was before penicillin and, you know, other medicine was available. So he didn't have a whole lot of treatment options. They did, though, um, update his health in the newspapers. And basically, if he was doing better, um, if he was doing worse. And at one point, they had posted one day that, you know, George was not doing well. He was failing. And then in another, like the next day, they said he was doing way better. And then the next day they were like, nope, he is fighting for his life. So during his day at the hospital, the Chicago Cubs manager, Johnny Evers, offered um, George a contract to play at the beginning of the next summer um, because he had originally gone to Notre Dame to play baseball. It also was said that he didn't graduate high school. And so he had done like some taxi work and like odd jobs here and there. And then he came in later, like a few years after that, to Notre Dame and they had him under um basically an un I can't remember what the exact word was but it was a conditional of uh, like freshman year um so then you know manager Johnny Evers had offered a contract for George to play at the beginning of the next of like that next summer um but then he you know had gotten expelled his junior year but it was reversed um because of how good of a player he was. He did play five seasons because, fun fact, um, during this time in 1918, 
their their season was canceled because of in influenza pandemic um and it's really funny because a little over 100 years later he the like 101 years later the 2019-2020 football season was canceled because of um a covid pandemic little just a little hundred years later you know a little weird there my opinion unfortunately though george did die um on december 14th 1920 at 3 23 a.m he was at the saint joseph hospital in south bend indiana and he was 25 years old everyone including his family classmates sports writers they even said football fans across the country were just completely stunned and on december 15th all classes were canceled they flew flags at half staff and the um, students were allowed to attend his um funeral and mass and i do want to clarify when i say funeral it really just was like a big mass gathering because his actual funeral happened in his hometown in michigan now his ghost is believed to be at washington hall which I found in my research with George that Washington Hall is also known as the Music Hall. Um, and they believe that he rides horses because they hear clomping through Washington Hall's like hallways. Um, and he usually does it at night, which if I heard clomping, that would really scare the living daylights out of me. I do want to say, because I know I have football fans out there, mostly my um, brother, my dad, my father-in-law and my husband are probably like, okay, but what did he play? Um, he was a halfback and a quarterback. He was also a punter while he was at Notre Dame. So he just was kind of a jack of all trades, if you ask me. Here's some more fun facts for you. There is a movie, um, I believe. Um, I don't know what the name of it is, but it's by Pat O'Brien and Ronald Reagan. Yes, the former president, Ronald Reagan played as George Gipp. I, I think, I always forget that he was an actor, that Ronald Reagan was an actor before he became president. It always, I just always forget. I don't know why. Besides, I couldn't really find a whole lot more details into the stories, but I talked about two of the Washington Hall ones, and then George Gipp is the other one, so that's three. There's a fourth uh, ghost of Washington Hall that they believe was a priest who had been watching a movie there one night and he died while watching the movie in the theater but um, Van Vliet in scholastic.nd.edu's article has said that there's no recorded proof of anything but those are the big four stories that go around she's also not convinced I think she maybe he, I don't know, I'm sorry, um, isn't convinced that the ghost exists. Oh, it is she, it is she, it is she. I wrote it right here. Um, but she doesn't want to take any chances either. She says, I always tell people I don't disbelieve, but I don't know because you have to hedge your bets, right? Just in case. She's actually worked as the facility manager there for 17 years. So, I mean, if I was her, I wouldn't, I wouldn't risk it for the biscuit either. Um, so that is it for the top two most haunted um, universities in the U.S. 
I may end up redoing this episode in the future just because I feel like it wasn't my best episode. But I know that, like, my friends who listen to this are going to be like, it wasn't bad. It was actually really good. You don't give yourself enough credit because I am kind of hard on myself because I'm a perfectionist. But I feel like my notes on this one wasn't as good Oop, because I was kind of doing it not last minute because I worked on it the past couple days. But um, I definitely didn't go as in-depth as I normally do. So I do feel bad about that. So, um... My next episode for Iowa is going to definitely be, like, really, really good to make up for this one. Um, probably do a couple of those, and then we're going to do, for sure, another ghost one. I don't know what I want to do next. Let me know. Love you. Bye.